But before we even get into that, I just want to go like back, you know, back in the day, Spencer, like what was growing up like um, in cold, cold as fuck Canada, <laughs> which I know it's cold today. But what was it like growing up uh, where you were? Well, you know, that's why I do a lot of the things that I do. And that's why I've been doing them for a long time, uh, because even though I have a great group of friends around me and a great group of people around me that have always been there and will always be there for me. Um, you know, it wasn't easy being handicapped um, and and things like that um, because you're always constantly reminding people that, hey, I may be in a wheelchair, but my chair does not define who I am by any stretch of the imagination. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Paint Method podcast. Feels good to say that. You know, we're just getting into this and uh, I got to speak to one of my first podcast guests ever in the short history that I've been doing podcasts, which is right now. Uh, this gentleman who's from Canada, based in Toronto, I, I hate to say that he's just an inspiration because he is. I, I would say that the word that best describes him is a fighter. Uh, he just keeps pushing and going no matter what. Uh, you know, I would describe him as maybe a, a speaker, actor, author. He says he's a sit-down comedian, which uh, may make sense later. And I don't think that there's enough titles. Uh, I, would, I would also add a um, charismatic character to all this. Uh, he stars in Netflix's uh, show designated survivor with the star keeper Sutherland. Uh, and also he has this infectious spirit and I, and I understand why more and more now why so many, you know, entertainers and celebrities are drawn to him because you know, his approach to life, uh, it just, it, it breaks all barriers. And, uh, I think it's a story that we can all really truly be inspired by, but also, to inspire us to want to keep fighting forward as well. So uh, also he has a podcast, the isolation series. Uh, please welcome one of our first guests to the paint method podcast, Spencer Miller. We are all on our paint journey, but where are we now and where do we go next? This is how passion, action, intent, new teach. This is the paint method. All right, Spencer. So I just, I just, you know, went down your titles. I, I gotta, I gotta tell you again because I'm just curious. I have, I have a question to kick this off. Yes. Speaker, author, yep. actor. Yep. Yes. Sit, sit down comedian, which is from your yep. IG bio. I'm just curious, which title do you feel most connected to? All of them. Yeah. Uh, because. All of them represent a certain uh, side of me um, that make me who I am. Um, and so that's what I love about doing all the different things that I do um, is it allows me to intersect every aspect of myself into everything that I do. You know, I could definitely see that because we, we've spoken before, uh, I mean briefly, but it easily was like a 30 minute conversation. And you have this infectious spirit. I know you know this, 
but I can see why you need several outlets to, to get that energy out to the world. But like, what was your first, what was your first moment where you realized like, you know what I have, I have a special effect on people. Well, I, uh, I was doing a speech for the Cerebral Palsy Foundation of Ontario uh, way back in 1990. Um, and the Prime Minister at the time, Brian Mulroney, uh, was in the audience. And after that speech, he came up to me and said, hey, uh, we need your extremely attractive, charismatic, smart self uh, to represent the country and handicapped individuals. Do you mind, uh, you know, doing it? And when the Prime Minister of Canada asks you to do something, unless they're an idiot, uh, like certain people in the United States have been in the last several years, uh, you, you say yes. So obviously I did that, and then I ended up working with some great organizations, um, which launched me into, you know, what, I, what I've been doing. But I knew uh, that I had the ability to make an impact on people. The first time I took a stage and had to do a speech or had to entertain people because uh, feeding off of that crowd very much like yourself in whatever atmosphere it is that we do it, whether it be an NBA halftime show or the uh, 2019 NBA finals in Toronto where you and I met originally or yeah. whatever they may be or before the hottest band in the land, KISS takes the stage or whatever, you know, every audience gives you a different emotion and you're able to tap into that and feed off of that more oftentimes than not. Yeah. Being live in front of an audience, I've always told people this, that it is, it is the highest of highs and you cannot compare to it, you know, anything else to it, which is why I understand why some people, not everyone, but some people when they're off stage that they need some sort of like stimulant to, to make them feel like that again, you know, you get, you get the bug. So you just mentioned, uh, the hottest band in the land kiss, um, what you, you, you knew, you know, my connection with them. I went on tour with them for, uh, you know, in 2019, but how do you know the band or what was your connection with them? Uh, so in 2000 and, uh, I want to say four, um, the Molson Indie Toronto was uh, one of the biggest uh, IndyCar races on the circuit. And at the time, Gene Simmons uh, was the celebrity marshal. Um, and I was doing some things uh, like for the Molson Indie back then. And, you know, sort of being a conduit uh, between myself and, and some of the drivers and bunch of different people and I just met Gene and we instantly connected because of my as he puts it gregarious personality um, and uh, and ever since then uh, whenever Kiss is on tour uh, they make sure that good old Spence is there to be with them as often as I humanly possibly can be and uh, you know this, both Paul and Gene and Tommy and Eric are all great, great individuals. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, uh, but I feel really bad uh, for them, specifically because they were getting ready to do their 19th farewell tour uh, right before this pandemic um, hit. 
they were going to go on their last leg, um, and you actually believe them this time because they're 70 years old plus most of them at this point. Um, so taking two years away from that, um, you know, yes, it is rejuvenating for a lot of people, but not when you're in your 70s more often times than not. You know, I have to say I saw them perform every single night and I would go out and watch them because they're they're one of the they're, they're such a great inspiration for any live performer, especially, you know, in, that, in just a rock and roll realm and and also the theatrics. But I would go watch them and take notes. And I was always taken back by the fact that I'm tired at, at like thirty nine now. I'm tired after, you know, an hour or so of doing anything, let alone them, they're doing these two hour shows. And so, uh, it, part of that too is because, you know, a lot of people don't know this, some may, but Gene and Paul specifically are pretty much sober. You know, they never really did drugs or, or alcohol throughout their career. And, no, you know, Ace and Peter did enough for about yes. five people that time <laughs> <laughs> exactly they, yeah the ace and peter did enough for the the entire band uh and several bands but i i do think that that's part of the contribution of them being able to still do it like they do um you know I, I just not partaking in things and having that that self-discipline but either way it's paying off for the 19th uh farewell tour <laughs> that that i'm not mad at because i was able to uh to hop on that train late so you know yeah. Uh, there, there's you, you're on like one of the biggest shows on Netflix and I've seen this show and, but before we even get into that, I just want to go like back, you know, back in the day, Spencer, like what was growing up like, um, in cold, cold as fuck Canada, <laughs> which I know it's cold today, but what was it like growing up uh, where you were? Well, you know. That's why I do a lot of the things that I do, and that's why I've been doing them for a long time, uh, because even though I have a great group of friends around me and a great group of people around me that have always been there and will always be there for me, um, you know, it wasn't easy being handicapped um, and, and things like that, um, because you're always constantly reminding people that, hey, I may be in a wheelchair, but my chair does not define who I am by any stretch of the imagination. Unfortunately, with it being 2022, you would think society would have gotten better over the years as opposed to, you know, 1987, 1988, something like that. Uh, but the harsh reality of it is, more oftentimes than not, it's worse now than it ever has been, which is really sad um, because, again, you know, take five minutes to talk to me and you realize that my disability is just a situation that I was dealt early on in life. And, and you know, yes, I have a wheelchair uh, that gets me from point A to point B. And yes, I need help uh, throughout the course of a day uh, with certain activities and things like that to make sure everything gets done uh, correctly. But you know, you can say that about anybody. You can say that about David Garibaldi. You can say that about whoever you want. It's just a whole perception thing. And so it's been uh, my life's mission to, you know, dispel some of these stigmas that, that come along with being in a wheelchair. You know, what's amazing about that is how easily you could have 
retreated back. You could have taken words, you know, literally when you knew in your heart they weren't true. And instead, you know, that life mission and, and that purpose and that intent you've given yourself has opened up so many more doors for relationships, you know, friendships, uh, and, and even opportunities, you know, for yourself as well. But you, you said that, you know, if someone would talk to you for five minutes, they would know that, uh, you know, there, there's no room to judge. They need, they don't need that much time to know that. I, I think within 30 seconds, uh, you realize that you are, you're, you're a leader. You lead with like this, uh, there's, a, there's a term, je ne sais quoi, but I, I think it's even for you, it's, there's a momentum in how you, you know, your presence is. And so was there a transition where, where early on you didn't have the confidence that you have now and, you know, like pre, pre that, or was the confidence always there? Uh, well, my early on, uh, I had multiple teachers and things like that, um, come up to me and say, Hey, you should not go past elementary school because you're not going to amount to anything and it's not really worth your time and, uh, and and different things so you know i had to deal with that coming from you know a principal and a vice principal of my elementary school back in the day if you can believe it um i can't believe my, that no and and i had um some special ed teachers uh, because you know uh when you're at a school and you're in a wheelchair they automatically think that you deserve to be in some special ed and whatever as well so they they weren't very helpful early on either but then i went to high school um and that's where the confidence you know really started to change in terms of what the narrative was uh, not so much you know from a teacher's perspective because i still had people coming up to me being like, you know, you should do this type of work instead of the actual work that we're doing in class and trying to belittle me still and, and things. But what changed for me in high school was uh, within the first day of being in high school, I made the conscious decision to become friends with every member of the senior football team. Um, so I became friends with every member of the senior football team and ended up uh, being an assistant coach on the senior football uh, squad uh, right from the get-go, even in grade nine. So people knew not to fuck with me uh, <laughs> because I had some of the biggest and most intimidating-looking guys having my back and and, and things like that. So. Uh, and that probably, uh, you know, would you agree that that sort of set the momentum for even how you make connections now? It's almost like... Uh, you know, there, there's, yes, it's like you've, people have got your back, but also I feel like that you, you just, you hold that in your heart regardless, whether, you know, someone has your back or not, um, that, you know, your the confidence comes from your, what you know you're capable of, uh, rather than just who, you know, a hundred percent. But I also think it's important to treat people the same way, no matter who they are. And you know this from all the connections that you've been able to uh, be afforded throughout your work in recent years and, and things like that. And it's the same for me. Um, you and I have talked about this offline. There, there are so many people, whether it be in sports or entertainment or whatever the case may be, that I'm really, really good friends with that 
uh, you know, I'll just sit there and bust their chops and, you know, we'll swear at each other and it'll just be like a normal conversation. And it, some of those things are the most hilarious to me because, you know, a lot of these people have, you know, these personas and, and, and things like that where everybody's like, oh my God, it's this person, blah, blah, blah. And rightfully so in a lot of cases because they've worked very hard to get that. But, you know, you get them behind closed doors or you get them on a one-on-one FaceTime. And, you know, we all put our pants on one leg at a time and they love busting their friends' chops just like anybody else. And I think that that's been a real benefit uh, to me as well throughout the years. But I think you also do a great job of opening that door for that because I think you know, most people may be sensitive to like not want to say something to, you know, to offend or, or, and that's the case across the board, which is random people on the streets, but you just like go for it. And I, I absolutely love that. And I've like, you know, I, I, I've, I know I'll grow to love that even more as you, you know, bust my chops too. <laughs> absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's important for you to know this. Um, and that is that, uh, David and I were very fortunate to meet each other um, during game three, I believe it was, of the NBA Finals in 2019. Originally, uh, when the Raptors were taking on the Golden State Warriors, he came up to do uh, the halftime show on that day. And uh, David did not actually remember our initial conversation, uh, but we ended up connecting on that day and you know chatting 20 minutes 25 minutes or so uh before that game and and we just had that connection and uh we lost touch for a couple of years but then i re-reached out and i was like hey here's the deal blah blah blah. this is what i'm thinking and here we are now because it's one of those situations where when you connect with somebody it doesn't matter how long a period of time goes by when you reconnect with them it's like you just talk to them five minutes ago Absolutely. I, I would say that relationship building has lent more of, of, I say success loosely because it's different for all of us, but the, the, the biggest opportunities I think that have come to me at least have been either through long relationships or because of philanthropy, you know, some sort of, some sort of form of, of giving back, you know, yeah. you've been able to represent, um, you know, people in, throughout your country, what's a message you would say to, to people that are listening right now of, of what's a, the biggest misconception about people who are handicapped or have any disabilities? Well, I still get people who come up to me almost on a weekly basis, at least once or twice, whether it's in the grocery store or in like a, you know, in like a shopping mall or whatever the case may be. And they'll come up and they'll be like, hi, how are you? Can I get this for you? And I'm like, hey guys, I'm handicapped. I'm not an idiot. Uh, please don't talk down to me like I'm five years old. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that is one of the most preconceived notions is, again, talk to somebody for five minutes, assess the situation. And after that five minutes, if you need to assess the situation a certain way, then you can do it then. But don't go into a thing and automatically start talking to them like they're an idiot. Well, usually when people talk to me for five minutes, they're like, oh, he's definitely an idiot. And then they move on. So yeah, yeah. 
Your life is better when he's just in front of a canvas doing painting. So we'll just shut up and let him do his thing, you know? Yeah, they're like, just go. And then here I am doing a podcast now, and they get to they, they can't get rid of my voice. <laughs> right. So I, I want to just fast forwarding your journey because you know the the title of this podcast is the paint method so it's about passion action intent new and to teach and in that order is how we bring ideas to life it's how we build our creative journeys and when you got when you started doing acting and opportunities for acting started started to present themselves that seems like something that if you weren't doing acting your whole life, it's a new challenge to, for yourself, or it's something that may feel uncomfortable at first. Uh, what was that process like to go from, you know, really doing what you were doing before being a representative and probably I'm assuming speaking and going behind the camera like that, that's a really crazy transition or maybe it wasn't. Uh, it, it really wasn't because like I said at the beginning, it allows you to marry all those different skills. Um, and so, yes, uh, when you're filming a TV show or a movie, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. And trust me, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of hurry up and wait. Uh, so you have to be really, really patient on those long days where it's 14, 16 hours on set. Uh, but doing the actual work and doing the actual scenes in front of the camera is not too dissimilar uh, than when they say, ladies and gentlemen, David Garibaldi, and that switch goes off in your head for that period of time, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or half an hour, or however long you have in front of that crowd. But for that time, your entertainment switch goes off uh, that a few of us have, and you just know how to go into that mode. So that's how I feel about being in front of the camera. It's very similar to being on a stage giving a speech or being on a stage doing a stage play or a musical or something like that. Just on a bigger scale. Yeah, I, I, I believe that true performers understand that because, you know, whatever's gone in your, on in your life before that moment, it, it, you still carry it up until they say your name and whether it's time to go on set or time to go on stage. And there is this switch like uh before i go out say for if it's a halftime and i start to take in the fact that there's you know ten thousand people plus watching this and then on on uh nba pass as well i start getting nervous right before and then no lie i'm go i'm walking out there I'm, I'm in the middle of the arena and then it's not until they say my name and i've always tried to compare that to uh skydiving and I've never skydived, but I'm just assuming that that's what it's like. And I think that's why I don't want to skydive is when you get in that plane, you go up there, they open the door. There's only one way out. And that's how it feels performing and going on stage is that door opens. They say your name and there's only one way out. 100%. I agree with you in terms of there's been many a day where I have felt like absolute shit for a myriad of different reasons leading up to a big speech that I need to do in front of thousands of people or an introduction that I need to do in front of thousands of people and I'm feeling like shit and I'm even feeling like shit in the wing uh, right before I go on but as soon as they're like Spencer Miller that switch goes off 
and for that period of time that I have to go out there and do my job, it goes away and the performer in me kicks in like you. Whereas as soon as I get off stage, my body goes, okay, you're done doing what you need to do now. You can go back to feeling like shit like you were before. You know, for people that haven't been able to experience that, you know, you've, you've done things to put yourself in the position to experience being able to perform. For people that maybe haven't had the opportunities, but they may possess that, uh, that skill to, to perform or even a skill to do anything, what type of situation would you suggest people can maybe put themselves into to just just feel what it's like to to be a little uncomfortable and just see if they're made for something or even just to have a moment to grow well i mean the 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 best example that i can use in every day is if you've been asked to be part of a wedding party in some capacity shape or form for a friend and your friend is like hey, I want you to do a speech at my wedding, uh, you know, you get up there and do a 10-minute speech at the wedding reception, and it gives you sort of the feel of, of what it would be like uh, for us to get in front of thousands of people. Uh, I mean, not on the same scale, but it'll still give you that same type of vibe. Yeah, just don't uh, drink as much as I did before I did my friend's uh, speech at his wedding. <laughs> no, uh, it, was, it was a hot mess. But uh, no, I, that's actually, that's a very practical way to approach it. So, uh, uh, so what was that? I, I just need to tell you this story quick. Yeah. Uh, so, so for my senior prom in high school, uh, um like we we had it at this converted railway uh station uh, that turned into a banquet hall beautiful old place and there was a beautiful old staircase uh at the front of it and there was a handicap ramp on the side of it so myself and my date jamie uh showed up at this thing and she was like okay i'll meet you at the top of the stairs and i was like okay great uh, so I go to the side of the building where the ramp is, go up the building, go up the ramp, and at the top of the ramp, there's a group of these drunk uh, people already standing in front of me to, to exit the ramp. And I'm like, excuse me, guys, nothing. Excuse me, guys, still nothing. So I'm like, fuck this shit. And uh, so I start going around them. And as I start going around them, one guy backs into my driving arm, jerks my driving arm in the opposite direction, and I fall down half of the staircase in front of the uh, of the um, banquet hall, um, and my chair falls on top of me because I'm still belted into my chair at the time. And uh, so it took three or four cops uh, to lift me and my chair back up, and my date had just watched all of this happen in front of her um, and things like that. And keep in mind that it was my senior prom. So they were asking me, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And I go into total guy mode and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm fine. And we go in and we have the prom. Um, and then at the end of the prom, um, like the pain starts to set in and everything like that. I find out that I cracked three ribs. Uh, oh my god part of my shoulder and for the next like two or three weeks 
I couldn't really move without being in pain or anything like that. But that's a story for you right there. Wow. That's, that's crazy. How, how long was the recovery for something like that? Uh, nine weeks. Jeez. Knock, yeah. knock on wood. I've, I, I don't want to experience, I know that pain had to be ridiculous. I can't even imagine that. No, and now, my, and if now, my date, okay, go ahead, go ahead. If my date in full disclosure was not nearly as hot as she was, I probably wouldn't have dealt with it the way that I did. But you know, we all have to make sacrifices. You know, you were in true guy mode then, for sure, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what, what would you say that that was one of the most painful moments in your life, or do you think you experienced something else where it was like? whether it was physical or emotional pain uh, well well that was one and then uh one time my brother uh, as brothers do um we we decided uh that we would play wwf wrestling uh um and and we had one of those sunken in living rooms so like you had like two or three steps coming off the kitchen into the living room and so I, I was watching TV one day, and my brother, in all of his wisdom, uh, decided that he would stand at the top of the stairs and be like Superfly Jimmy Snooker and do a Superfly Jimmy Snooker onto me uh, from the top of the stairs down into the living room. Fine, whatever. He, he, you know, brothers do that, except my brother... Uh, jumped and uh, he totally missed and kneed me in the face and like my started gushing blood and everything like that but you know we all deal with stupid wrestling situations like that when we're growing up and and so that was one right there that sticks out to me so the lesson learned was don't wrestle with your brother anymore after that correct there was another time that right before i had to do one of my surgeries uh, uh like two days later uh, my brother put me in uh, a a uh, a sharpshooter which was made famous uh, by Brett the Hitman Hart also Canadian um, and he ended up tearing a part of my quad <laughs> uh, and so uh, uh, two days later when I went in for my surgery my doctor was like you also tore part of your quad so we now need to fix that too so yeah. And full yeah. circle, you have done stuff with the WWE and you've got some, you know, wrestler friends now. So yes. tell your brother to watch out. Yeah, I um, I love the WWE guys. They have brought me in and treated me nothing short of spectacular. Um, and uh, it is my hope that either this year or next year, I will be the recipient of the Warrior Award, which is an award that they give out at their Hall of Fame ceremony. Um, so, so keep your fingers crossed uh, for me there, because uh, that'll be a huge accomplishment. I've always been a sucker for wrestling, going back uh, to the Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Mega Power days and stuff like that. So. No, likewise. I mean, growing up, I, I was a huge WWF at the time, WWE. A fan. I mean, we watched everything from Royal Rumbles to WrestleManias, and even just like the weekly shows. So, you know, uh, I don't know about I, you. Uh, I don't know about you, but like, I loved the Attitude Era. That was my favorite era of wrestling because 
you know, Stone Cold and The Rock and, and all of that. Uh, but also, like, you got to, like, see some interesting stuff, uh, you know, on a, on a weekly basis that you wouldn't uh, get a chance to normally uh, see these days because of the way that societal climate is and everything like that. But I remember having a huge crush on, like, Tori Wilson and back in the day, Sable and and things like that, uh, you know, but uh, those were some good, good memories. You know, if you haven't watched it already, there's an amazing documentary about Stone Cold Steve Austin on, I think it's like A&E or something like that. They did a, a yeah, biography series. Biography. Yeah, and they did and they did one on him. They did one on Roddy Piper. They did one on Macho Man, and they did Andre the Giant and a couple of others, and it was spectacular. They, they did an incredible job. Not only did I learn more about Stone Cold Steve Austin, and, and really it was like, it was, it was painful because you could see this guy just hurting to bring his dream to life. You know, it was just like his family, his body. I mean, he was, you know, putting himself through it to uh, for success. Now, he's a, a forever legend, and, um, and, you know, I think the lesson learned there was, like, at, at what cost, you know, what – what what does it cost to be successful? So do you and feel I, like you make any major sacrifices to to you know pursue your dreams at this moment? Do you feel like you're missing out? All the uh, not necessarily missing out, uh, but something that I don't normally talk openly about, but I'm gonna do it here on your podcast for only the third time in my entire career, and that is is about uh, twenty years ago or so. Um, I went to bed one night and woke up the next morning, and ever since then, I haven't been able to eat or drink virtually anything, um, with the exception of very few things, without it going through my system remarkably, remarkably fast. And I've seen, you know, seven different specialists and had over 200 blood tests and, and things like that, and had every oscopy you can think of and stuff shoved everywhere that it can be shoved in order to try and figure it out. And nobody has been able to figure it out. So when I'm going and doing a speech, you know, no matter who it's for, whether it's sports or entertainment or, or, or everyday corporate or whatever, I have to go that entire, you know, day without eating until I'm done doing what it is that I'm doing just so that I make sure nothing happens before or during one of my speeches. So, um, you know, uh, the audience wouldn't know that or anything like that because I do a good job of doing my job and, and learning how to deal with it regardless. Uh, but it, it um, you know, when you're working on set uh, for 15 hours a day and have to remember dialogue, and and things like that it becomes increasingly difficult when you don't get a chance to eat until the very end of the day and and things like that so that is a huge sacrifice that i'm still dealing with on a daily basis for myself you know i that's i mean i can't even imagine you know what that's like not only what it what that does to your spirit as well um but i think that's also what makes you so much more of an inspiration because of everything that you you go through on a daily basis to uh to still pursue the things that you enjoy and and love you know that's uh, without even knowing that i was already inspired but even just and i'm sure there's so much more you know there's 
we see people, you know, uh, doing what they love, and, and we think that they're shielded by uh, by struggle or shielded by things that are they didn't ask for, they're thrown at them, and they know exactly how to navigate it. But we we really don't. We don't know how we navigate struggle until we're in it. And clearly, you just you keep moving forward no matter what. Yeah. And, and it's important to know that, like, we're all human. And in Canada yesterday, it was National Mental Health Day for the 12th year in a row uh, called Bell Let's Talk Day, where they raise a lot of money uh, for, for mental health and raising awareness for mental health. And I'm a huge advocate in saying no matter who you are, no matter how much success you've been fortunate to have in your career and in your life, uh, you should not be ashamed of saying, you know, we all go through difficult times, including myself, you know. Uh, um, I'm right there that, with you. <laughs> that, that there's, there's at least one or two times a week where I want to punch a wall or, like, throw my hands up in the air and wave them like I just don't care, like the old hip-hop song said. Um, and, and you get very depressed on those days for for different reasons for your physical ailments and you're like man why can't we get to the bottom of this and why can't we figure it out but it is those people that you surround yourself with and that i'm fortunate to surround myself with uh, you included in that that allow me to get through uh the day-to-day -day struggle and the day-to-day -day things because yes i'm very proud of everything that i've accomplished in my life and my career but I'm not ashamed to admit that I do have my battles, not only physically, but mentally on a weekly basis, because there's no way in my mind that I should defy medical logic and have had been dealing with this now for 20 years, but nobody's been able to figure it out yet. Yeah, it's 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 not holding. I don't, I don't ever perceive it, you know, holding you back, but you know, in the event that it ever does, you know, I'm always here if you want to send a text or call, you know, because similar, you know, I, uh, you know, I deal with things personally as well. You know, I think the past maybe three, four years, I've, I've privately gone through some of the most difficult times in my life. And most people would, would never know. And I just, I remind myself this. And when I go through, you know, difficult times, whether it's mentally, spiritually, or, you know, with anything else is I try to grow in compassion for people that are going through something similar or even worse and knowing yeah. that it, it can be worse and that at least I get to fight today. And that's what I just remind myself. Yeah, man. And, and that's why like lots of people are like, Hey Spence, how can you stay so positive? Or hey Spence, how can you continue to give off such a positive message in your speeches? And anytime that you go and introduce, you know, a a act or or whatever the case may be, and it's because life is too short. If you let it consume you, that's exactly what it'll do. So every day we fight, we get up, we're thankful for the things that we're thankful for, and we're thankful for the people that we have around us and choose to have around us and uh, and we keep moving forward you know uh, you and i talked off air about how fortunate we both are to have some of the great people around us that we are able to have and able to joke and laugh with and it's those small things 
that really help us get through, you know, sometimes. Yeah. You know, people, uh, we shared it in your intro, but I mean, people don't know the, the, uh, I don't think they really understand the, the, the reach that you've had throughout your life. I mean, you, we talked about some, which was, you know, you've connected with people from Michael Jackson to Princess Diana, uh, David Ortiz, the new baseball hall of famer. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. One of my favorites, which we have another connection with is, you know, it's, it's this show, uh, designated survivor, the star Kiefer Sutherland. I I just want to, how, so Netflix is huge. Like there's one thing to have like tens of millions of people watch you. I'm assuming it's in the hundreds of millions of people that watch and stream these shows, but how did that opportunity come about uh, to appear on it, to act, and then obviously, you know, just the uh, the time you spent with Kiefer? Uh, well, um, when when they were starting to film Designated Survivor in Toronto, I I met Kiefer, uh, and uh, and we started talking, and he's like, "Hey, man, I I think you know that this would be a great opportunity." Uh, to have you come on the show and I was like okay yeah great because we've been talking about that sort of in passing uh, previously because like I said you know in in entertainment and in film and television you get a lot of people that act like they're in a wheelchair but they're not in fact in a wheelchair except for a couple of people like RJ Mitty who has the same disability that I do that played Walker Jr. and Breaking Bad alongside Brian Cranston and things like that. But a lot of individuals play the fact that they're in a wheelchair and not a, not actually are in a wheelchair. So it's important or it has been important to me uh, over the years that, yes, not, not every handicapped person should be given the opportunity to act because not everybody can act. But those people that can act like myself and a, and, a, and a whole group of other individuals similar to me that can act should be given the opportunity to have mainstream uh, auditions and, and things like that. So I sat down with David Guggenheim, the creator of Designated Survivor and Kiefer, and within a three and a half hour meeting, uh, we created my character of Brian Marcus the head of the Environmental Protection Agency, and uh, and everything like that, and and that's how that happened. And uh, working with Kiefer is uh, definitely an interesting experience in itself, because that guy has a lot of energy. <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he had a great time out there in Toronto. And I share this with you uh, offline, but I'll share it with the with those that are uh, listening and watching this. But Early in my career, maybe 2008 or nine ish, I was doing a, a performance in LA. At uh, at the time, it was called LA Live, and uh, for Luke Robitaille, correct? For yeah, it was a fundraiser for Luke Robitaille, legendary hockey player, and you, you know the bidding of his portrait that I painted started. You know, went from a couple thousand to like five to to ten plus. Eventually, it's in the 20 ish thousand dollar range and there's a winner and then i i go and i say hey i would love to meet the winner so like cool so they i I go out there 
They walk me to uh, the gentleman's table. He stands up, reaches out to shake my hand, and I'm like, it's Mr. 24. This is crazy. So we got to talk just briefly, but uh, he owns a massive portrait of Luke Robitaille. So he's a huge uh, hockey fan, and I'm sure a friend yes, of he, his as well. Yes, he is. Um, we uh, There's a lot of fun stories I could share uh, that – Kiefer, I'm sure, would not appreciate, but let me just Yeah, tell we don't you. need to share him here. This is a new podcast, so I want to stay yes. Uh, yes. On, on here. Yes, uh, uh, but, but definitely some memorable, memorable times with that guy. That's amazing. Is there is there any other, you know, what what is the next, I guess, level for you? So in the paint method, you know, at the very end, you know, we talk about teach, and it's to impart knowledge on your journey, whether it's what not to do, or, you know, advice to give people what to do. What is the next part that you see in your journey uh, as, as you continue, keep moving forward and pushing? Well, it's to continue doing what I'm doing, really, in terms of impacting people on a weekly, if not a daily basis, in whatever way that I can. Because if you impact at least one person on a daily basis, then you know you're doing something right. And as long as I can... Uh, continue to put positivity out there in many different forms, uh, whether it be entertainment, sports, you know, film, TV, uh, whatever the case may be, or, or just everyday life. I'm all about that because I'm all about helping people and making sure that people are on the right path, whatever path that is. And if I can be some small part of that, I, I want to continue to do that as, uh, as long as possible. Um, also, uh, make sure that I go and, and continue to create some great memories for myself uh, like I have throughout my entire career um, once this pandemic is firmly in the rearview mirror, hopefully in the not-too-distant future, and be able to get back out, you know, with people like Kiss and Zach Brown and and uh, and things like that and, and do what I love to do in front of a whole bunch of people. Well, I would say you're – I think you're overachieving – that goal already you know it's uh if you think it's just one i'll tell you man it's it is uh if not tens of thousands hundreds and i'm sure it's you know millions of people that you're inspiring every day uh is there any well, and, oh yeah go ahead and, and i have to say thank you to you uh because like i said earlier on in the podcast is that you are the quintessential example of what we were talking about about a true friend and uh, even though it's been uh, or it was a long time before we reconnected, we reconnected and it was like no time had passed. Um, and I'm proud of you for continuing to do what you do and exceed your expectations of continuing to push your ceiling and, and make those um, make those different connections uh, and things like that. So, you know, anytime that I get to see any of your work or, or support any of your work I'm all about that because um, there are talented people who don't appreciate what it is that they get to do and then there are people like you who appreciate it and show it through passion of life and passion of art every time out no thank you I mean what keeps me going and what inspires me is connecting with you know people like you Spencer it's it's one, it's there's a, there's a like-mindedness of of wanting to push through 
any struggle that we have on a daily basis, doing with a smile. I, I love that. I think in your bio, it, it, you talk about that, you know, talk about like just doing everything with a smile, no matter what's going on. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I definitely can't wait to connect with you when I'm, uh, when we go back to Toronto or really anywhere in Canada. Or, or even if I'm out your neck of the woods at the end of this, you know, I definitely have to come out there and we have to have some good times as well. But also, you know, I would be remiss if I did not tell people uh, that, uh, you know, if you enjoyed this episode uh, with David and I, David is going to be kind enough to be on my podcast here in yes. the not too future as well. So you want to make sure uh, that you tune into that. Uh, and I don't know if you mentioned it in the intro as well, but the podcast is called the isolation series with Spencer Miller and you can find it on Podbean and YouTube and all of that. Just go to the isolation series. Uh, doc. All right. So what, what are your social handles that uh, people can follow you on your journey? Uh, so if you go on to Instagram, it's at the Spencer Miller, T H E Spencer Miller. Um, and, uh, and same with, uh, Facebook, uh, is just Spencer Miller. Uh, I know I should be on Twitter, but I can't be bothered with Twitter and full disclosure. Um, so the best way to get a hold of me is uh, Instagram. Awesome. Spencer, you are uh, beyond an inspiration. Uh, but I think after talking to you and now knowing more about you, you know, I think you're a fighter and I think that you, the energy that you have and you do everything, it's inspiring. So thank you for having this conversation with me today. I appreciate it. And I'm, I know we'll yeah. talk soon. Yeah. And, uh, and thanks for uh, being able to reconnect. It feels like I said, like no time has passed and I hope people really enjoy, uh, enjoy this podcast and this episode. And I can guarantee you this, uh, that, uh, this is one, of many collaborations yet to come between Garibaldi and myself. Uh, yes. So you want to stay tuned for that because we're going to do uh, some good things here in 2022 slash 2023. Some of them we know right now and some of them we don't know at the moment, but I can guarantee you that it's going to be fun either way. And uh, again, buddy, uh, proud to call you a friend and thank you for having me on uh, the Paint Method podcast with you today. Likewise, Spencer. Thank you. And yeah, we'll be doing your podcast next. So thank you, Spencer. Absolutely, buddy.